You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 461, a fiendish Beatles quiz. Did the Ladette era liberate women or trap them? And revival of Alan Bennett's Talking Heads. That's all coming up right after Aztec Camera and Deep and Wide and Tall.
such a great song. Roddy Frame is scandalously underrated and often seems to miss out when mm. papers and magazines and TV do retrospectives on the 1980s. From 1988 and the splendid album Love, Aztec Camera and Deep and Wide and Tall. Hello, hooray, and welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 461. I'm Terence Stackham, and I'm picturing her reclining on a chaise lounge made entirely out of rose petals and the tears of a thousand squirrels. It's Juliet Harris. Uh, do you know, I'm calling my next artistic venture the tears of a thousand squirrels. That is excellent. Is that Atlas Swords of a Thousand Men by Tempole Tudor remade? I suspect it is. Apologies for the large crash, by the way. My phone fell off the top of my printer. It's one of those days. Hello, everyone. It's all, it's all going well to plan so far. Absolutely, yes. Everything's as I wish it to be. If I say that enough times, it will be the case. Now, we like to start the uh, podcast these days with uh, a quiz. And there are no more popular quizzes um, than we find them when we feature the Beatles. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, that's, a, that's a, you know, you never go broke uh, appealing to the market of the greatest group ever. Exactly. So it's quite straightforward in a sense. Um, I'm going to play you clips from five Beatles singles that each reached number one. So hmm. it should be quite easy. Um, oh, except I'm going to play each clip from these singles backwards. Oh, for goodness um, sake. So, in fact, this is rather tough, very tough indeed. Um, if you're the listener or you're the Juliet, I think if you if you get two out of the five, Ooh. you've done well. I'm worried um, by the low pass mark. I'm uh, five is genius rating. Yeah, the thing to bear in mind is that they're, they're in chronological order. They okay. all made number one and they're all from the 60s, obviously. Um, now, it is so tricky that I've left a one second gap between each clip so you know when one <laughs> finishes and the other starts. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, five Beatles singles backwards, um, five points for getting um, the song and five for getting the artist. <laughs> oh, that, well, that's helpful. Thank you. <laughs> no, if you, uh, seriously, though, if you get two of these, you've done really, really well. So don't okay. don't despair, oh. listener or the Juliet. Um so five five Beatles songs backwards. your prediction Jules how many do you think you're going to get let's try three and see how we get on okay three I think is 
extraordinary. Um, I was thinking some of those could have just been released uh, as... uh, They're quite trippy, aren't they? I quite like that. As my dad would say, it's no worse than anything else you hear nowadays. So, yes, indeed. Number one. Ticket to Ride? Ticket to Ride. John Lennon claimed he wrote it, but in his autobiography with Barry Mars, Paul says it was definitely a co-write. Well done. Good flying start. Mm -hmm. Well, try Help for number two. Help it is. And these Written, are both by the Beatles, by the way, sorry. Yes, OK, yeah, but bonus points there. Um, but they are both by uh, the Beatles. Written, help written 4th, 4th of April 1965 by John and Paul at John's house, Kenwood at St George's Hill in Weybridge. Mm-hmm. Two out of two. And you got the artists as well. Both were the Beatles. Well, now, I in our Beatles quiz, can you spot price, the yeah. artist of number three? Well, the, the artist, I think, might be the Beatles. Um yeah. Good start, yeah. I've struggled a little bit with the chronological order at this point, but I think I'm going to say we can work it out. It is we can work it out. Double A side with uh, Day Tripper, December 65. Thought to be written by Paul, probably uh, a plea to Jane Asher after Paul had been caught straying, yes. Mm. With Uh, three out of three, and you've got the group. Number Uh, four. Number four is the Beatles. And um, I think it's All You Need Is Love. It is All You Need Is Love. You're four out of four. You're reaching out for genius level. Uh, (laughs) All You Need Is Love. It was not recorded live as uh, has gone down in folklore, but Mm. it was the Beatles playing over a pre-recorded backing track for the TV show One World. Mm, indeed the, but, but one world one vision one might say but anyway yes uh i'm gonna take a guess at the last one i think it sounded to me like hello goodbye five out hey! of five juliet lucy harris i doubt whether many listeners um have managed to match you hello goodbye john lennon he was really miffed because it was a double a side and he was miffed that hello goodbye um was was the a side and he this is what he, he said at the time hello goodbye beats out i am the walrus can you believe it i began to submerge <laughs> well, didn't I, suppose, I suppose the thing is is that I Am The Walrus is probably artistically the better song um, it's certainly more interesting but you know if you're running a radio station you play Hello Goodbye don't you I mean surely that is that is fairly obvious that that is the ra- ra- radio hit and actually uh, the good thing about having double A size, I think we've talked about this before is that you can have a sort of a cracker of a, of a radio friendly hit on one side and then you can put something that is a bit more interesting that probably wouldn't have done so well as a single on the on the b on the not the b side the flip the double a so actually as i would frequently say john lennon stop moaning you don't know how good you had it that's right i think if you were doing the breakfast show um at the bbc or even on wkny in new york or whatever you're gonna play hello goodbye you're not gonna play i am the walrus it's the truth five out of five genius rating Boom, indeed. Uh, what, what can I say? Clearly, I'm wasting my life. That is the indicator that we get from that. Well, I tell you what you can say. You can answer, our, and as can the listener, see Ooh. if you can answer our three bonus Beatles questions in what I'm calling bonus Beatles questions. Hey, it's a Terry bonus. Excellent. Let's go. Juliet Lucy Harris. Yes, question one. Name names Dackham, yes. On the album cover of Abbey Road... <laughs> who, who is the only Beatle without a beard? 
Oh, goodness. Um, I think the answer is Paul McCartney. It is Paul. He's got no shoes and he's got no beard. Indeed. Uh, John Lennon is resplendently hairy on that uh, with the, the other two sort of playing catch up, I think. I'm looking at it now because I've got a huge poster of the oh. Abbey Road cover on my wall over there. Question number two. Mm. I'll give you... Mm, I'll give you one or two years each side. I'm not sure. In in which year did the Beatles hold all top five positions on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart in America? Oh, OK. Um, I think it's quite early on. So I'm going to say it 64. Is. It is April the 4th, 1964. Ooh. You didn't need any leeway either side. You are on fire today. I just um, really like the Beatles. I think that is probably the, the, the main explanation for it, really. I thought it might have been 63, but I thought if I guessed 64, then that gave me some leeway. Oh, very clever, yes. Um, number five, please please me. Number four, I want to hold your hand. Number three, she loves you too. Twist and shout. Number one, can't buy me love. And they also had singles at 31, 46, 65, 68, <laughs> and 79. They were quite successful then in the States. Third question is multiple choice. Okay. In Plymouth, England, November 1963, at a Beatles concert, of course, Mm -hmm. what did the police use to control the crowds? Such was the hysteria. So I'm going to a choice of four. Thank you. Tasers. Attack dogs. High pressure water hoses. Revolvers filled with blank bullets. I think the answer was water cannons. It was high pressure water hoses. Probably dampened the ardour of yes, the fans. Yeah, well, literally, summer. yes, indeed. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I felt that firing blanks seemed a bit extreme, even for yes. really. And uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if tasers would have existed at that. They had not so. been invented. They, they were a shoe in to you as well as a clue. Oh, well, and I've, even I've attack tried. dogs. This is England. We don't have attack dogs and revolvers. Well, no, well, well, at least if we do, then we don't use them publicly. I think they take all. No. Well, form so so yes as ever i'm indebted to you for your uh for your softballness thank you terence you have come out of this quiz shining like a beacon to all beatles fans everywhere uh, yeah well what what can i say i mean it's it, it's only as easy as the questions you get asked really but no I, I it just goes to show how much when people ask me who my favorite band is i always have to say well apart from the beatles because to me they've gone beyond being my favorite band and they're just kind of hardwired into my dna really so uh so what you know that, that it, it's a i don't want to say it's a way of life because that just makes me sound like a horrendously cliched uh, person but it is I know, me too. Um, Coming up, 25 years since the era of ladettes. Um, Liberating or embarrassing? That's next, after, chosen by Juliet, A Tribe of Toffs. Ayrton Senna's got the voice of a tenor Pete Snow sings very low Mark Barano is soprano John Ketley John Ketley John Ketley is a weatherman, weatherman, weatherman. John Ketley is a weatherman, and so is Michael Fish. Simon Parkins always larking, Eric Lane is the same. Jonathan Ross collects masks, John Ketley. Weatherman, 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 weatherman. John Ketley is 
Fisch. Lester Piggott couldn't dig it, David Icke ride a bike. Richard Keys has got no knees, John Catlin. John Catlin, John Catlin. He's a weatherman. John Catlin is a weatherman, a weatherman, a weatherman. John Catlin is a weatherman, and so is Michael Fish. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mutt von Duchet and his amazing cheese and pickle solo. Johnny Marr, he plays guitar. David Steele lives in Kiel. John Catlin. John Catlin. John Catlin. John Catlin is a weatherman. John Catlin is a weatherman. A weatherman. John Catlin is a weatherman. And so is Michael Fish. Chuck Knox has blue socks. Andy Crane has got no brain. Bernard Davy left the Navy. John Catlin. John Ketley is a weatherman, a weatherman, a weatherman John Ketley is a weatherman, and so is Michael Fish And so is Billy Jaws, and so is Ian McCaskill So is Wincy Willis I enjoyed you distancing yourself yes. from that choice of record at the beginning. At the moment, I'm reaching towards records that make me chuckle and cheer me up, and that is definitely one. I was reminded of it because it was a it was a question on Popmaster, I think, earlier this week. Ken Bruce's excellent Radio Two pop quiz. Um, I, I suppose in playing that record, we ought to apologise to all of our listeners under thirty. I mean, firstly, generally, because we do virtually nothing to serve you, so I'm I'm sorry about that by and large. And and secondly, because. I, if you are under the age of 30, would you know who anybody referenced in that record was? Um, possibly David Icke, because he popped up again previously, but I don't know. I, I, it, makes, it just goes to show sort of how fleeting fame is, really, that so many names are, are, are mentioned on that record. And like I say, young people would have no idea who any of them were, I think. Anyway, it was a tribe called, a tribe called Toffs. Was it a tribe called Toffs? Or a, a tribe, tribe called, of Toffs. I'm confusing them with a type, tribe called Tre- uh, Quest, who were very yes. much different proposition, but that was a tribe of Toffs, and John Ketley is a weatherman. We yeah. had the board game of the BBC Weather broadcast with the four of them on the, the four weather people on the on the front of the, uh, the box. Yeah. Good grief. It, it is interesting to hear the celebrity's name checked on that song. It's very contemporary to the era it was recorded, as you say. Various um, minor personalities who were on TV mm. at the time, and now, as you say, the names mean nothing. I can't bear weather forecasts, especially on TV. They make such a song and dance about <laughs> it. All I want to know is... Will it be sunny or rainy? And what's the temperature tomorrow? That's it. That's all I want to know is that you get all this stuff about cold fronts coming in over the Atlantic and look at these isobars. I don't want to know. Just just sunny, rainy temperature. That's it. 
I think that although you turned your nose up at that record, mm. I should be thanked for giving you an opportunity to complain about something, which is this something is that true. I believe you welcome and that you seize upon. But uh, yes, I, I mean, weather forecasts, the local weather forecasts to us, they seem to be more of a sort of a, a photography competition. They show lots of pictures mm. that local people have taken of sunsets, which takes up most of the most of the, uh, the, the the afternoon trying to see, you know, the picture that Eileen took in Bexhill on Sea or whatever. And, you know, the the weather seems incidental at the end of the having said that there is a huge enthusiasm for weather forecasts i learned this when years ago i went to a women in radio course at the bbc it was like a sort of a, a fun day thing organized by sound women an organization that existed for women in radio at the time and i i spent some time with uh kathy Cluxton and aileen McHugh, who are both newsreaders for radio forum and world service and uh kathy was sort of pointing out you know when you watch the news and there are lots of people that are sitting behind the news doing things well they all mostly work for radio and she was pointing out who sat where they also because the public can go into a little bit of broadcasting house they can go to the sort of the front bits the public can see people presenting the national weather like John Hammond and so when we were sort of stood looking out over the gallery Kathy Cluxton then insisted that the people that were with her including me waved at John Hammond doing the weather who's about to do the weather who cheerily waved back to give him his credit and then did the weather and Kathy said people watch it all the time people clap when they've done it at the end it's really it's it's a sort of a spectator sport in broadcasting house so for any weather fans out there i don't know if it's still the case probably not at the moment with social distancing but there at least used to be an opportunity to watch someone do the national weather and then clap at the end See, we're talking about lifestyle choices uh, a few minutes ago, and it, you know, as well as the Beatles, my lifestyle choice is being a curmudgeon. So I did you welcome the opportunity to talk about the weather. You, you, to use the voguish term, you self-define as a curmudgeon, mm, I think, and indeed really everyone, the rest of us, define you as that too. So it's you know, hugely it's enjoyable. Yes, absolutely. Because people's expectations are lowered. You see, they just <laughs> expect you to come in and start whining about everything, and it's it's really liberating. Absolutely. Well, to quote um. To, uh, similarly, the, the, to quote uh, what's his name, uh, the bloke that uh, James Fleet, who plays the uh, character in uh, in uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and towards the climax of the film, sends some people the wrong way and points them in an opposite direction. And uh, when congratulated on his success, he says to Hugh Grant, "Well, that's the advantage of being perceived as being slightly stupid. People are less <laughs> less less suspicious of you." And I think that's it, isn't it? If you if you've got a reputation as being extremely grumpy, when you're not, people go. Well, what a nice person he's really <laughs> mellowed i don't know what the problem is is that i've accidentally acquired a reputation as being funny which means i am a constant disappointment if i if i do not necessarily if i don't if i can't find a wry sideways glance at whatever is happening i feel that people are disappointed that i have not lived up to their own perception of me but i've never claimed what well, i say i never claimed to be funny i did stand up maybe that is claiming to be funny but uh, that didn't last very long <laughs> because I wasn't that funny so so you know well who's who knows but uh yes it's other people's perceptions you find them liberating I sometimes find them a bind Terence but maybe that is a different kind of person we are <laughs> I'm I'm never too sure about imposing the title of role model on people we're, we're all flawed as humans by nature seem to be and we all have feet of clay of course so when footballers uh, basketball players or, or indeed pop stars are shown to have behaved badly they tend to get further criticism because they're 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 
in inverted commas, role models and deemed mm -hmm. to have let people down, particularly it's always said young people, oh, what kind of example are they setting and so on. In the week we record this, it's been reported that the celebrity or businesswoman, depending on which uh, newspaper mm -hmm. you read, Kim Kardashian has achieved the status of billionaire, having mm -hmm. sold 20% of her cosmetics company. Now, Colonists and commentators have written this week along the lines of their dismay that Kim Kardashian is presented as a role model for young girls. Um, but do young girls need role models? If they do, is Miss Kardashian any worse than those of previous <laughs> generations? Jules, the 90s and the 2000s were the era pre-Kardashian. Um, well, we had the age of the, the ladettes. Mm. Are they the, the ladettes uh, to be looked back with pride for women in terms of role models? Well, that is that's a really interesting question, actually. I'm not just saying that to buy about what might. Yeah, and 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 you never you never to use horrible double double negatives. You never not ask the interesting questions, <laughs> etc. You sent me this lovely link to um, reminding us of the TV program from Ladette to Lady, which took place in 2005. Um, it's interesting fun fact. My mum used to threaten to send me on that program because she felt I was a Ladette. However, if she She'd taken the time, Mum, to read the New Oxford English Dictionary's definition from 2001. A ladette was defined as <clears throat> a young woman who behaves in a boisterously assertive or crude manner and engages in heavy drinking sessions. Well, I might have been a bit of the former, but I certainly wasn't the latter. But anyway, we had the ladette culture of the 90s that seemed to coincide with uh, ironic lad culture from some of the magazines. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people found quite frustrating, this idea that it was done in a kind of an ironic way. I remember Graham Coxon from Blur complaining about the other members of his band and the kind of embrace of football culture generally from, from intelligent people and him saying, oh, you know, it was all right to kick someone's head in if you could write an essay about it. And I think that that the same thing applies. Women then had those same standards imposed upon them. Um, I, I like the idea. I found parts of the Ladettes quite quite liberating in that people like Zoe Ball and Sarah Cox, I think they were probably the names most associated mm. with over here. I liked the fact that they could do what they wanted and that they didn't have to adhere to traditional standards of how women were expected to look or dress or behave and I, I as someone who just looks like a footballer in a dress I mean my mum tried for many many years to I mean I wore a skirt to my graduation and bought three years of peace that was very much a tactical move but uh, but you know for someone that wasn't traditionally feminine I found that aspect of it quite liberating actually though it is a shame that sometimes it was a only ever seemed to be adopted to sort of impress men you were being one of the blokes and you were drinking mm. with them in drinking sessions and maybe you might marry one of them which didn't appeal to me but also I mean there are aspects of the sort of the rudeness and the kind of the heavy drinking and stuff that I've just you know that didn't appeal to me either really so there were some things I took from Ladettes but there were some things that I didn't really this this independent article is very entertaining described it as bake off excess all areas which I think is quite a quite a good pun and the the premise of the show was that 10 uh, quote unquote ladettes were enrolled for five weeks at a finishing school at Eggleston 
Hall to see if they could learn manners and graces in the hopes of winning. Now you think, oh, what's the prize for this? Is it pride? You know, is it having a better life? No, it's a 20 grand sports car. So um, I'm not entirely convinced to to what extent that 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 emphasises the point of the show, if indeed there was one. But anyway. Well, sorry to interrupt, but the point of the show, from what you're describing, which I'd never seen, by the way, Mm. seems to be that being yourself isn't good enough. That you've got to be turned into huge inverted commas a lady and i think and i think that uh, that sort of tracks back to what i was saying earlier that's what's so frustrating about it that you know by this point we and and i think the timing of this is important that by this point we were sort of past peak ladette really because mm-hmm. the age of the ladette i'm also thinking of denise van outen and her babes in the woods sitcom we're really thinking mid to late 90s zoe ball being on the breakfast show and then taken over by sarah cox so by 2005 Ladettes weren't really a thing anymore in the same way that um, that Britpop wasn't a thing at all by that point. It had all kind of passed. And bless, I think they it was did go like, a bit hand in hand, didn't they, in I, a way? Britpop and Ladette culture. Absolutely. It was all part of the hmm. same. Well, the the loaded magazine um, that was you know, obviously aimed at men, but also was embracing of Ladette's culture. And I think this kind of sums up the frustrations that a lot of people have with Britpop. The tagline was for men who should know better. And I think there was something slightly unedifying about people behaving like yobs because that's how they felt working class culture was. And there's there, if you dig into that, you don't again, there's some pretty unedifying conclusions you can draw from that. So in a way i bless them itv always had a habit of missing the boat for many years so so and it goes to how long it takes stuff on tv to get made that this program that came out in 2005 really ought to have been made four or five years previously at the very latest but anyway i was rather struck by the fact and again this feeds into my point about people who should know better um there's a telephone interview that's reported in this article a former contestant rachel carter eagleton and you feel like saying if you've got a hyphen in your surname, unless there's another reason for it, like you've married and adopted another surname, it does feel a little bit, um, you know, were these people were these people just playing at being working class? Were they or, or what they perceived to be working class? Were they playing at being lads, etc.? There's uh, there's something about it. Um, you know, some of the behaviour was a bit, you know, Denise ran out and stealing a, a, a an ashtray from Buckingham Palace and then couriered it back. Live on on the big breakfast with a note saying sorry mom I didn't mean to give you the hump I mean some of the behavior was I in my opinion over the top mm. um and and apparently in the 15 years leading up to Ladette entering the dictionary in 2001 the number of women binge drinking above the recommended guidelines rose by a half now there'll be lots of pearl clutching that it was women that were drinking like that and they shouldn't they shouldn't you know have to if you see what I mean um just anybody anybody drinking to that excess and I don't want to seem like some you know judgmental prude because I'm not but uh, you know I've often felt that Britain has a problem with alcohol and just as a culture just as a nation our our relationship with alcohol is 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 not very healthy a new labor bless them tried to try to introduce this idea of 24-hour licenses as a sort of a cafe culture from the Mediterranean <laughs> forgetting of course that you know the Mediterranean are helped by the fact that it's populated by people from the Mediterranean rather than rather than people from Britain and it is very telling that the Russian 
rush to get the pubs open and some of the scenes that we are inevitably seeing this weekend over here in Britain where you're allowed to go to the pub again most pubs are adopting a table booking system which I think is sensible but um but you know this idea that we can't possibly live without going to the pub you know it's it's it the ladette culture kind of points to a wider sickness I think there are aspects of it that I found personally very liberating and you know and again it shows the problems in society that women behaving in a way that quote unquote women don't behave was such a big news story if you see what I mean and such a big cultural thing but um you know it's it's yeah, I mean, my, my my view is is that it points to, you know, that the, the negative aspects of the Ladette culture point to wider problems that we have in this country around around drink and how people are perceived, I think. I think even if we take the epithet of uh, role model away, I mean, do we really want young children to take inspiration from celebrities, pop stars, uh, television <laughs> personalities, these days, of course, YouTubers and TikTokers? Um, oh, and Instagram influencers, which yeah, are... Yeah, of course, amazing. yes. Thing, yeah it's, it's it's in a way it is as inevitable that they're, they're seen as heroes just as I revered um I don't know Alan Hudson in midfield for Chelsea Paul McCartney Joni Mitchell they weren't in midfield for Chelsea obviously the latter two um <laughs> if but if anything good for young people has happened in recent years maybe it's maybe that more and more aspire i suppose to walk their own paths in life and i'm kind of hoping more more seem to be interested in the environment and caring for others mm. perhaps rather than wanting to emulate card the kardashians or katie price or whoever i don't think we need new ladettes um just for young people to have a future that, that inspires and gives them a passion for life i hope that's achievable Oh, yeah and and I think that's a good point and I think again we've talked about this on the show before do you remember our old friend Zoella and her oh, calendar indeed, I mean yes. my, my issue with the lots of the Instagram influencers and actually the card that I mean Kim Kardashian you could say yes she's a very successful businesswoman firstly she came from a family that was extremely rich so mm-hmm. to what extent has she really kind of fought I have more time for Victoria Beckham in that sense than I do for her but but secondly you know what what has she in her being a big a good businesswoman what does you know what does flogging any old stuff to impressionable people on your instagram is is that really is that really you know something to be admired is that a skill to be admired and and so i have some issues with a lot of the the instagram influencers because it, i think we've talked about this before the age of the grifter and the idea that all yes. oh, they really are is sales people really i mean i don't want to you know they might have made some good decisions but i don't i don't want to, I don't see a lot of these people and I apply that to men as well as women. I don't see a lot of these people as, as, you know, fantastic tycoons of business. They're they're using a public profile they already had in some cases because their family had it already to try and, you know, to try and flog stuff and to make it a quick buck, isn't it? And so, so in a way, I almost see the ladettes as perhaps being a little, uh, particularly the 90s ladettes that we spoke of earlier, as being a bit better role models because, you know, Zoe Ball and, and Sarah Cox and Liz Van Outen did not come. I mean, I know Zoe Ball's dad was known, but I think that's a slightly, you know, he, he wasn't a hotel tycoon. He presented programmes on television for children. But, I mean, they, they, they didn't come from backgrounds that were extremely moneyed and privileged and were sort of being themselves. I think they fed into a trap of becoming a caricature for themselves of themselves for a bit although most of them seem to have come through it but um but i i i 
would I would rather be inspired by aspects of a ladette than I would do by somebody who is, you know, flogging you their latest perfume or their latest handbag on Instagram, having come from a, a background which had lots of influence already. So, so you know, I, I, I feel slightly defensive of the ladettes, despite the fact that having burping competitions completely revolts me. Having said that, the fact that... that that women didn't have to look or act traditionally feminism did uh, feminine you know sort of feminine did speak to me having said that it was a shame that that was then sort of sucked into the prism of that they were only ever keeping up with the men rather than necessarily doing their own thing yes absolutely i i i couldn't agree more i don't think either of us are going to be signing up as uh, new age ladettes no uh, i think they have some things to teach us coming right up the revival of Alan Bennett's Talking Heads. Um, that's next on this lovely cover of a George Harrison song by Regina Spector. I look at you all, see the love there that's sleeping, while my guitar gently weeps. I look.
From the soundtrack of the extraordinary animated movie Kubo and the Two Strings, which was nominated in two Oscar categories hmm. from 2016, uh, that great musician Regina Spector and While My Guitar Gently Weeps. That's such a lovely version. I, that was completely new to me. I'd never heard that, and I love the song, and I really like Regina Spector. I have a lot of time for her, so that was brilliant. Thank you, Terence. Yeah, back in 1988, hmm. Alan Bennett's first series of monologues, Talking Heads, were a huge success. Uh, so many of them nominated for BAFTAs and Thora Heard won the Best Actress category for hmm. a cream cracker under the settee. And then there was a second season 10 years later, 1998, which equal, equally well received. Thora Heard again receiving a further BAFTA for Waiting for the Telegram. Now, recently... It's been almost impossible for television or film to create Mm -hmm. new content because of the impact of lockdown for COVID-19. But how about monologues? Well, the BBC and Alan Bennett revived the Talking Heads format with two new episodes and a revival of 10 earlier pieces. Um, Juliet's been watching them. What did you make of the 2020 version of Talking Heads, Jules? Well, I have to We'll start from the, the starting position that the original 12 Talking Heads monologues are the nearest thing that I have to a sacred text. It has to be yes. said. I, I hadn't realised until watching them again. I mean, I knew they were important to me, but I was virtually word perfect on all of them to the point where I was able to spot missing lines, which is usually a, an indication that you know something quite well. Um, I approached these with some trepidation, as I'm sure you can imagine. I was a bit um, I was a bit concerned. Concern, but then uh, my concern abated as soon as I started reading the cast list. I thought all these people can do these things. I was, I thought the casting was the key to this, really. Um, I thought they'd retired the two Thora Herb monologues out of respect to her as she was deceased. Unfortunately, as lovely as that sounds, the uh, the the real reason is a little bit more pragmatic in that they had to be read by people over 70 and they weren't allowed to leave their houses oh, shielding, yeah. so 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 they ended up deciding they replaced them with two that alan bennett had, had, had sort of happened to have written the previous year i the original 12 were actually split into two series of six and i think they were broadcast 10 years apart the the other ones were broadcast much later in the 90s and i remember alan bennett saying he'd written the second six after the first six and that they had laid in a drawer for a little for a year or two because he felt them too gloomy to inflict upon the general public oh. 
And it did make me laugh when I, when they sort of everyone's like, oh, good, Talking Heads is coming back, a tonic to the nation. And when you look at the sort of the storylines, you know, uh, someone's husband might be a serial killer. You know, there's someone who's who falls in love with the next door neighbor who then dies. I mean, it, you know, they're, they're not exactly the most uplifting of stories, but I've really enjoyed watching these because I think that that the it's interesting to watch the new performers if you know the old performers because you can spot the sort of the new nuances that are there and how they tease different things out um i really like um and i think it's interesting particularly looking at the julie walters ones so julie walters did two she did one called her big chance which is about a young actress who is in a film that appears to be quite dodgy and you're we're never quite sure the extent to which she knows that or not and then the second one from the second set of series is, is Judy Walters the outside dog playing a woman who is house proud and obsessed um, and cleaning things her husband has a dog that she won't allow in the house the husband is a slaughterman that spends his whole life washing blood off himself outside and there is then an increasing suspicion that there is a serial killer operating in the area. And where I thought that these two are most interesting is that Julie Walters is, a, is a, obviously a tremendous actress and the original two were really, you know, were really good. But I don't know if this is just my perception, but I, I didn't quite get the full depth of despair from when she did them. Maybe because Julie Walters is, we associate her in our minds as being someone that is really funny and sort of quite cheery and a bit safe. Whereas Jodie Comer and uh, Rochella Sandal, who did the, who, who did these these two monologues, I got much more of the drama of it from them. And actually, Jodie Comer's was really interesting. I always think of her as twenty-seven going on twelve. She looks so young. <laughs> Jodie Comer from Killing Eve. And I got much more of a sense from her that um, she was a bit out of her depth and a bit kind of vulnerable and and that she knew deep down she was trying to convince herself as much as she was convincing you what was going on. I thought it was a terrific performance. Imelda Staunton managing to find um, more anger, I think, and more sort of viciousness from Patricia Rutledge's uh, Lady of Letters. I'm not saying they're better, they're just different, but I thought uh, Rochelle Standell's, uh, you know, sort of absolute despairing performance is this woman who, you know, is 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 just being driven, driven to man by her dog and her husband and combinations of the two I mean they're worth watching in their own right the new ones I haven't seen the the Monica Dolan one yet the, the shrine but the Sarah Lancashire one an ordinary woman is almost unwatchable in its subject matter I won't sort of spoil it although it's fairly easy to fall in in the first three or four minutes what's going on but it's testament to the writing and the performance that you stick with it and it is it's one of the most astonishing half an hours of tv I think I've ever seen it was it was just incredible really the, the the level that Alan Bennett is still operating at is is something to behold I think so it's it's worth watching these I think just if you're from if you're not familiar then they're worth watching because they're really good if you are familiar with the original ones it's it's an interesting watch in that you get to kind of uh you get to sort of see you can work out you know sort of what's happening it still has my my favorite deathless line as delivered by Jodie Comer where she is trying to make chit chat with a man who she takes to be her husband whilst being extras on crossroads at a buffet in the background and she complains about the proliferation of orange nylon that is around them to which the man replies don't talk to me about orange nylon I was once on a jury that sentenced Richard Attenborough to death and I mean <laughs> when you've got lines like that I mean 
I mean, even from the Sarah Lancashire one, just a throwaway line. She isn't a lesbian. She's got a friend that lives in Lawnswood. I mean, stuff like that, that is so mundane, yet yet really does sort of pinpoint details. The only thing that is a little bit distracting about it, and I knew this before watching, yet still sounded, found it distracting. All of the rehearsals were done over Zoom but they filmed them on set. The only set at the BBC that was still open was EastEnders. Nothing else was open. Elstree were, were, still had their sets. So if you have watched EastEnders, it is very obvious that Sarah Lancashire lives above the Queen Vic, that Leslie Manville is in Doc Cotton's kitchen or whoever it is. So so once you spot that the sets are EastEnders, that is a little bit distracting. But I get that they're doing the best that they can in the circumstances. So I would recommend it. It's really good fun. I think it's quite interesting that each of these uh, new talking heads as you say, was filmed at Elstree under the code of social mm. distance. And so... Even though they are cast with only one person, of course, being monologues, the production and filming had to be completely adapted for the bizarre, yeah, bizarre times in which we yeah. live, as you say, on the East End set. Some will argue that it seems a bit peculiar to revive these pieces as they're only 20 to 30 years old. But I, I think the pieces are so strong that mm. it's fascinating to see newer generations of actors taking them on. And of course, um, he referred to their knowing, knowing that you know the the uh, script inside out. The written versions have been staples of the UK English literature syllabus for yeah. many years now. I, and I did them at A level, I think. Well, exactly, and that underlines the the quality of the writing that naturally gives a springboard for actors to enjoy performing and all 12 new episodes are available as a box set on the bbc iplayer true and what you said about the filming actually it was interesting there was the interviews of you know with various members of the cast and jodie comer had said that she actually found the atmosphere very harsh because she said usually you know sets are very busy they're mm. doing things everywhere and you have to really find a moment in which you can focus and she said that she was really sort of um disconcerted by how silent it was I and, she, so. and she really struggled with that and i love the solution interestingly they set all of these in the 80s they kept the settings of when they were and they did what we spoke about the other week about contextualizing things before martin freeman doing alan bennett's um chipping the sugar um there was a, a card at the beginning that said these were set in the 80s and they reflect the language of the time which i see as being the solution to most of these things but in order to sort of pump up jodie comer and the crew uh, jo josie rourke who is the the excellent director of um of the the, the jodie comer monologue that she did her big chance asked every member of the cast and crew what their favourite 80s track was and then just blasted them out on loudspeakers mm. between between takes and actually when they were all dancing to Wham and stuff like that that really helped them to kind of focus so who knew Wham had such motivational properties? I didn't Very good, I can picture that at Elstree. Um, huge <laughs> thanks to everyone listening, of course it's lovely to have you yeah. along Absolutely. Thanks so much for uh, spending an hour of your day with us. That is a great pleasure. Lovely show. It's great to hear this coming from the wireless. Love tonight's show. Just a handful of comments hmm. from listeners to Juliet's radio shows last weekend. 
What's the story this weekend, Jules? Well, we are, perf- we are. I say performing. I mean, maybe all life is a performance. We are recording this on uh, the 5th of July, um, which is a Sunday. Last night, I did my uh, Saturday social show on my Mixer channel. If you go on to Mixer and search on my name, Mixer is M-I-X-L-R.com. Um, if you go on to that and find my name, you can find my channel. If you look at my show reel, you can catch up on previous shows. This evening, I will be doing Smooth Sailing, which is um, sort of smooth pop, yacht rock that sort of thing and I'll be doing that from seven till nine this evening so if you hear this before that have a listen if not you can always pop onto my show reel and uh, catch up of, on the show's passim hurrah for this uplifting song to play us out Jules yes absolutely I I've heard this on the radio yesterday and I was sort of semi-aware of it I I, I you know I, I knew it existed but I hadn't really listened to it fully which is surprising given my love of soul but anyway so these are the five stair steps and this is Ooh Child Ooh Child Things are gonna get easier Ooh Child Things will get brighter Ooh Child Things are gonna get easier Ooh Child Things will get brighter
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>